Hello, my beautiful beans, and welcome to today's episode. So this episode is all about kind of how to stop giving your past your power or how to stop giving your power to your past um, and how to stop thinking that things could have been different and being stuck in that mindset of, oh my God, if only this had happened, then I would be in this position or if only I had stayed in that relationship or if only I never dumped that person or if, if only I had done something differently and I wouldn't have been dumped X, Y, Z, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of what I'm going to be talking about, this idea of how much you end up feeling stagnated because you're living so much in your past um, regretting something or wishing something was different, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to turn that shit around. I'm going to give you some tools. I'm going to give you some things to think about, to focus on, so you can fully turn that around, turn it on its head and really put your focus in the now and in the future. Okay. So that's kind of what we want most of our focus to be. Of course, you're going to be reflecting back on the past to reminisce and this and that, but I don't want you to be stuck there to the extent where the world is passing you by and you're thinking those were the glory days, those were the days. And just having that mentality of it's never going to be as good as it used to be. Because if that's the case, then what the fuck are you doing with your life? To think that all the good times are in the past is a very, you're setting yourself up to be very disappointed with your life situation, okay? And then because of that, you're less likely to be proactive on things that are going to make your life, you know, more enjoyable or more exciting or for you to be able to experience all these amazing things because you've kind of got this biased idea that it's just never going to be as good as it, what it used to be. So then you're less likely to try and make it better because you've got this belief that's stuck in your head. We're going to change that today. 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 Uh, as always, I have a brain fact or science fact, brain fact. Sometimes it's not brain related. And at the end of the episode, of course, I've got my listener question. So let's dive straight in today. Okay, so the brain fact today is something called hemispatial neglect. Okay, so this is where you're neglecting part of your body um, due to a lesion in the brain. Okay, now we've got a lobe. I mean, we've got several lobes in our brain actually, but this one particular lobe is called the parietal lobe. This lobe sits kind of like at the top of your head. If you imagine wearing headphones, kind of that strip, but a little bit wider, top of your head, and it kind of separates the frontal lobe, which is right behind your forehead, um, the occipital lobe, which is at the back of your head. So it's kind of in between those two lobes. And it sits above the temporal lobe, which is kind of um, the lowest lobe. And it comes down next to kind of, imagine kind of where your ears are, kind of. Um, and this, this parietal lobe has two different functional regions. So one is dedicated to sensation and perception. So this is our cognition, what we physically feel and what we physically or what we perceive. And this area is called the somatosensory cortex. Soma is in like body sensory cortex. So the other section, the other functional section in the parietal lobe is for integrating sensory input. And this area works closely with a lot of other areas in the brain, but also the visual system as well, the occipital lobe and areas within the visual system. So if you look at the first functional area, which is the somatosensory cortex, its job is to receive input, okay? It's done its job, it's received the input. The second area, the one that integrates it, is like what are we going to do now with this information? It's our job to now communicate with different brain regions and integrate it and do something about that input, okay? So for example, if you perceive something that is dangerous, something coming at you, you're going to receive that input but then you're going to actually integrate that and do something about it, like hide or get away or whatever. 
This is also the part of the brain that allows us to have spatial awareness. It allows us to be aware of the world, the things that are around us. It lets you know where things are in space, even when your eyes are closed. And it also lets you know where your own limbs are, even when you're not looking at them. So this proprioception, this awareness of where your body is or where any part of your body is at any given time, even when your eyes are closed. So damage to different parts of your brain is going to result in different deficits. In the parietal lobe, Damage to the left can cause language disorders as a lot of the language centers are located in the left side of the brain, not in every case, but in most cases. Um, and I've spoken about a couple of like alexia and aphasia, which I've mentioned on the podcast before in my brain facts. But then we've got damage to the right. Now, when I talk about left and right, it's not in every case. This is just what's way more commonly seen, but definitely not a blanket rule for every single brain, okay? But then we've got damage to the right, and that's what I'm going to be talking about in this brain fact. So a lesion to the right parietal cortex in the right parietal lobe, um, when you get a lesion, you get you may develop something called contralateral neglect or hemispatial neglect. When there is a lesion in this region, a person can neglect or fail to become aware of an entire side of their body. And not just an entire side of their body, but it could be an entire side of what's going on in the outside world. So the, a half a room, half a clock, half a everything. So it's just one whole side. If it's happening on the right side, they're going to neglect the left side. And it might not be total neglect, but it might be like a partial neglect as well, depending on the lesion, depending on, on the level of damage. It's basically like this very reduced, if not in some cases, completely reduced awareness of stimulus to the left side, but they do receive the sensory input. There's no damage to the sensory pathways and the input and the somatosensory cortex. That's all intact, okay? But you get really interesting things happening. Like if they're eating from a plate, they're only going to eat what's on the right side of the plate, completely neglect what's on the left side of the plate. If they're brushing their hair in the mirror, they're only going to brush the hair that they can see on the right side or like on their right side and they're not going to do anything on the left side, same as for makeup and all those things. They're basically just going to be ignoring what's happening on the left side. They're just not aware of it or not aware enough. There's not enough input and it just gets ignored. And there were even studies done that, because obviously we're talking about body and what's around you and everything, but there were even studies done where they got patients with hemispatial neglect to uh, close their eyes and imagine a room and then they had to describe this room that they were imagining and even in their imagination they only captured what was on the right side of the room and they didn't describe anything to the left side of the room so not even in their imagination did they have awareness of the left side of things so this is obviously fucking fascinating how does it happen so it's often caused by a hemorrhage or a cerebral infarction. So a hemorrhage is a bleed and an infarction is a restriction of blood flow or inadequate blood flow and therefore there's like not enough oxygen to supply that particular region which then causes cell necrosis, which is cell death. Um, normally this occurs in the temporal junction and in the posterior parietal cortex. So the inputs received, the pathway from sensory input to cortex are intact. It's the area that's responsible for interpreting this input that is damaged. So this leads to something called motor neglect. And it's this is also where someone won't be using their limb or is going to be using it a lot less. Because of course, if you're not aware of it, you're not going to be using it as much. Yes, you walk and you do things like subconscious things. But then when it comes to using your hand to do some fine motor task, you're not going to be, you're going to be using your right hand and not your left. 
So treatment for this condition is actually the it's quite difficult because there's no one blanket treatment that works for everyone and a lot of the treatments are quite difficult for the patients to use because it's it's counterintuitive for them. So one way of treating it is to use something called scanning therapy and this works really well in a therapy session where the patient is guided by a therapist. So basically they're reading something and they're asked to look for like a red margin that, that the therapist has put on the page. So they're scanning the page until they come across a red margin. So they're looking further to one side, the side that they normally neglect. And then they see that red line and therefore they're able to see more writing on that page in that book. But when the patient is no longer in that setting with the therapist or with the clinician and they're on their own, it's not really that effective because most of the patients or a, a good percentage of the patients that have this condition are not aware of this deficit. So it's really hard to remind them to be consistently using this scanning technique when they're not in a clinical setting because it's really hard to look for something that you are just not aware of, okay? So it's like you being told right now that there's a whole other 50% of things that you're just not aware of that you need to be aware of, so start scanning your vision. It's very overwhelming and it's very easy to revert back to just the normal sensory input that you are you know aware of and I mean you're receiving everything but you're only aware of your brain's only integrating you know half or a bit more than half of it so you can imagine it's easy to forget if it's just not there in your awareness it's you know if you look at the analogy of you sitting here right now and me saying there's actually 50% more that you're not aware of right now you need to turn your head more often you need to look around it's fucking intense okay so Another thing is, another technique is wearing these special lenses. It's like a, a prism and so it helps the patient correct. It kind of like pulls the patient towards the left visual field but I would imagine that a lot of patients find that quite uncomfortable. And then there's other different kinds of brain training for neuroplasticity to help train the brain or brain regions such as like sensory retraining or proprioceptive training and things like that, like understanding where your limbs are and trying to rewire certain parts, parts of the brain to take over other jobs. But the hard thing with that is that given that it's often due to a hemorrhage or an infarction, Every single individual case is going to be different. So while the, while the symptoms may, may appear similar, the severity of each individual is different and what one person's brain could do with you know, therapy and neuroplasticity and all of that is not the same as what the next person's brain can do. So that's why it's quite a difficult one to treat. But I thought I'd have that as a brain fact because it's extremely fascinating. Um, you know, even when you get them to draw – if you get them to draw a clock – on a piece of paper, they'll draw half a clock, like half the face, the semicircle, and then they'll bunch all the numbers one to 12 in that semicircle and things like that. So it's really, really fascinating. If you're interested, just look up hemispatial neglect um, and you look at like the different um, exercises that they get the patients to do. It's fucking, it's really fascinating how the brain works and how something like that can happen. Um, so that is the brain fact of today. All right, now let's get straight into the topic, which is stop giving the past power and letting go of the idea that it could have been different. So guys, this is one of the things that slows our growth and holds us back so much. We favor fear-based thoughts because we would rather protect ourselves and feel more protected and feel safer than we would rather put ourselves out there and risk having a painful situation, whether that be 
being vulnerable and then getting hurt, whether that be embarrassment, whether that be, um, you know, failing something and then feeling bad about yourself, okay? So primarily we are driven by fear. So we're more likely to look at the past as kind of the safe thing than look at the future as like, oh, this is what I want, this is exciting. It's, it's very, not everyone, a lot of people are kind of geared towards, you know, taking more calculated risks, seeing, you know, possibility and everything so they're more geared to the future but a lot of people you might consider yourself one of either category but a lot of people are skewed to feel like the past was always a little bit better or it was a little bit easier or things were just better back then or um you know you end up looking at the future with fear and you look at the past as like the safe thing that you know and that was what was good and you kind of you know favor the past another thing that's really prevalent in I would say most people, is that we have this fear of losing things in our life. We think that our life is going to be over if we lose the relationship that we're in, if we lose the job that we have, if everything got shaken up and all we had was ourselves and ideally our health, that we would just, we wouldn't be able to go on. So because of that, we're more likely to cling to something and fear losing it and we will favor protecting losing something then favoring putting yourself out there risking but potentially receiving way more than what it is that you're trying to protect right now. So we are skewed towards loss aversion and I've got a whole episode on loss aversion but we are skewed towards loss aversion instead of risking to gain and that's really, really common. That's social psychology. There's a lot of like studies done on that. But really all you need to do is to meet people that have lost a lot, that have lost, you know, their their relationship, their job, their life situation. And they're often the ones that actually end up having less fear because they have learnt normally early on that that pain does not mean the end of their life. It doesn't mean that everything is over. It doesn't mean that their life is over, that they are, they've proven to themselves that when they did lose what they thought would be a life-ending thing, they're actually capable of rebuilding themselves over and over again in many different forms and many different ways. And they're the ones that are probably less fearful of it happening again because not that they want it, but they're like, oh, I've been through this before. And you know what? I actually survived a lot better than I thought. I thought I'd be, you know, depressed forever. I thought I'd never get over it. I thought this, that, X, Y, Z. But they actually rebuilt their lives and often in a way that is better than what they had imagined. And that is the beauty of life. This idea that, you know, you're prepared to take what comes at you and because of that, you're willing to put yourself out there more. You're willing to take more calculated risks. You're willing to live more in the present and the future instead of kind of hoarding and protecting or reminiscing or missing the past. We spend so much of our lives, or humans, spend so much of our lives regretting things, um, thinking of missed opportunities, thinking of how we were wronged, thinking of how someone let us down and what could have been if they didn't and that this person now needs to know what they did to me because I was X, Y, Z, it goes on and on and on. Life is a constant sliding doors. There's no set way for how something could have been because if that thing happened, then whatever happened straight after that would have been different and whatever happened straight after that would have been different, okay? It's this constant idea of if you were to change one thing in your past, that means that maybe everything in the the direct future after that would have changed as well. So it's not so easy to look back and say, oh, I wish that one thing had happened because everything would then change in your life if that one thing had or hadn't happened. And if that thing hadn't happened to you now, 
whatever it is that you wish had changed, who you are right now and where you are and what is on the horizon for you tomorrow, next week, next year, wouldn't be the case. It'd be a different set of circumstances, okay? So you've got to look at what you have now and what your possibilities and your opportunities are now as a blessing. You've got to look at it being like, okay, well, everything in my life, whether good or bad, has led me to this moment right now, to this moment where I'm actively choosing to work on myself, I wouldn't be listening to this podcast if I wasn't, where I'm obviously taking the steps where I'm trying to better my life, better my relationship with myself. I'm doing all these things. And had it not been for everything that's occurred in my past, all these experiences, all these situations, I wouldn't be here right now. And that's a shame. If you look back on the past, like your high school days, oh, they were the fun days, oh my God, or your uni days, or the days when you were single, or the days when you were with that person that you loved so much. If you look back on your past and label those days as the best days and continuously remind yourself that they were the good days, they were the best days, could never get better than that, then you're just going to continue to confirm that you are going to be right. You will keep pulling things in whether it's memories, whether it's whatever it is, that confirm to you that your past was the best time of your life, that they were the good days. And then because you're confirming that, you're less likely to think, okay, that my best days are ahead of me. And because of that, I'm going to maximize my time here. I'm going to maximize that. I'm going to milk that because the best days are yet to come. If you're always thinking, oh, it was all in the past, and you're looking back thinking, oh, if only this had happened, then you're constantly going to be reliving that same cycle and your eyes are going to be always to the past. But you need to remind yourself, you need to know that we are really good at looking at the past through rose-tinted glasses or rose-coloured lenses or whatever the name is. When you're complaining about something in the now, you are biased to think that the past was better or that there was no bad that came with the good. We have this really selective memory and then we compare our selective memory of the past to the non-biased awareness of our current situation. So you look at your current situation right now and you're like, oh, there's all this good, but there's also a lot of bad. This is fucking annoying. This is stressing me out. I really hate this. That person's getting on my last fucking nerve. But that last job I had, fuck, I had fun. Fuck, oh my God, the good times behind the desk at the reception area. Oh my God. And you start reminiscing on all these good times. But you forget all the times that you left your old job being like, fuck this shit. I can't wait to quit. You forget all the times that you actually, you know, didn't like what you were doing and wished for something different. But when you're here now, it's very easy to look back and only recall the really fun times. And then in contrast, if you're just thinking about the fun times, contrast to the now where you're aware of the things that are annoying you, it's really easy to say the past was better. It was better back then. It was better when I lived there. It was better when I was overseas living, you know, my best life. It was just better. You know, that year abroad, my life was better. You forget all the struggles. You forget the times that, you know, the the days that were so difficult. You forget all of that. So let's say that you're someone right now that something has occurred in your recent past or like, you know, further back in your past. Something has occurred and it's made you feel sad, right? It could be someone left you you left somebody and then you regretted it and you went back and they didn't want you back anymore. Um, You lost an opportunity at work. The house that you were living in that you loved so much, the landlords kicked you out and then you ended up going to this place that you fucking hate and then you regret it because you've signed a lease, whatever it is, right? You've got to get to a point where you it's really where you're really definitive in saying it is what it is. The moment you become aware and make it clear to yourself that you have no control over a situation anymore, then you are able to start to leave that situation in the past. The problem is that we'll entertain a, a, a narrative and we'll go back and forth. I could have done this. I could have done that. I could, but you didn't. 
and it's done. Okay? It sounds harsh, but it's the truth. It is fucking done. It is what it is. If you keep entertaining something feeling like, oh, well, in my imagination, I have the power, that's all well and good. And that's called daydreaming. But the truth is that it's not serving you right now. And sometimes it can actually be quite detrimental. And the reason it's detrimental is because you're reliving these moments that have occurred in your past, um, reliving them in your mind, thinking it could have been this way, it could have been that way, with so much passion again and again and again. And you're, you're po- possibly stressing yourself out. You're possibly turning a situation in the past into something bigger than what it ever was and causing yourself a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, and that's never going to be good for your health. When something is in the past, it's in the past. When something involves people who have moved on when you haven't, then that's something that cannot be changed. Um, it's, or it's an era that can't be repeated. You have to start putting steps into place to acknowledge the end of an era draw a line in the sand and you're on the other side of the line now so you can start moving forward. If you don't do this, you are actively choosing to stay in the past and as a result of actively choosing to stay in the past, you are choosing to suffer, okay? It's not to say that it's not going to be sad or it's not going to be painful when it's brought up but the pain has already occurred. You're not, you are now contributing more to that pain if you actively choose to stay in the past and relive and relive and relive, okay? The pain has occurred. That you had no choice over, okay? And this is the whole thing that I talk about, pain versus suffering. But if you don't put any steps in place, even if you're just saying, well, I'm not, I'm not trying to think about the past. I'm not trying to get stuck in this. It's just that my life is shit now and it was better back then. The thing is that if you just become passive in this kind of situation when something painful has occurred, and if you just become passive, it's very easy to direct your attention. You're going to be biased to want to keep reliving the past in your mind, right? You have to actively put steps into place to shift your focus from the past to the present and the future, okay? And if you don't do that, it is, in a way, choosing to suffer. Because the only person that can change your situation, the only one that's responsible, is you. It is your job to do something about it. Someone might have wronged you and fucked you over and been so awful to you and blindsided you and to, to, you know, it's blown your mind to even understand what a person has done to you. And it is still your responsibility to pick up the pieces because they're not going to do it. And you could sit there and say, well, I didn't ask for this. I didn't. You didn't. It's still your job to pick up the pieces because no one else can do it. It is up to you and no one else. And that's just life. It is your job to have your back. No one else's job is to have your back but your own, okay? So, yes, it's fucked that things happen to you, uncalled for things, unfair things, all of the above. That's fucked. But it is your responsibility to now do something about it, okay? So, every day, I want you to remind yourself, attention goes where energy flows. Your mind will listen to your emotionally loaded statements, Okay, and what I mean by that is when people say, for example, like, you know, you know, my love hate relationship with affirmations. I love a good affirmation if it's done properly, but I don't like the idea of just, oh, just fucking repeat this sentence 10,000 times and it's just going to happen. Okay, we're talking about emotionally loaded statements. Okay, that's what your subconscious listens to. So something that you deem to be believable deep, deep in your core. Okay, so where your energy is flowing is where your emotions are, your feelings. Okay. 
So I'm not talking about a throwaway line, a throwaway affirmation, but I'm talking about a statement that you say that feels like the truth, that there is emotion backing that statement. So you have these emotions when you're talking about something you really love, something you really hate, something you're really truly grateful for. That's an emotionally loaded statement. And if you keep telling yourself something that's not positive, detrimental, then you're going to keep living in that state of regret or state of sadness or whatever because it's an emotionally loaded statement. If you are turning these statements into something that's exciting for you or like something's on the horizon for me or this or that, whatever it is that's believable to you that has a lot of emotion in it, feeling behind the statement, then your mind is going to listen to that. Attention, your cognitive attention, your awareness is going to go where your energy flows. So if you keep telling yourself these things and if you keep focusing on these things, all your attention is going to be stuck in that one thing, reliving it, reliving it, reliving it. If you move your attention to the possibility and what is possible and how big that is, because the possibilities of the future, that that um, spectrum is so much broader and so much wider than what has happened in the past. You've got a lot more potential things to think about when you look at the now and your future versus the one road you went on in your past. You... You've got to be aware of how much is available for you right now and for your future. You could quit what you are doing today and start learning something completely different from scratch as an amateur, either by studying or either by going and doing something. And in five, six, eight years, you'll be pretty fucking good at it. Good enough for it to be your full-time gig in a brand new industry, knowing exactly what you're doing it in five years, okay? Right now, think about where you were five years ago. It's not that long ago. Think about it. Pause this if you need to. I want you to get real. Pause this if you need to. Where were you five years ago? It is not that long ago. Yeah, you think, oh, wow, a lot has happened since, but it's not that long ago. Now, knowing that five years isn't that long will hopefully open your eyes to realize that some a, a totally different reality, like a completely different reality, is five years or less away. And and that's just talking about career. What if we spoke about something like, I mean, for me, it was even less. I'd I'd change my career within a year and a half with the podcast. You know, it's amazing to look at what can be achieved in just a handful of years if you give yourself the chance. But we don't give ourselves the chance. Every day you spend being passive with your life is a day that you're delaying that potential change to occur. You have so many possibilities. You could t- your career in five years or what you do with your life or where you're living could be somewhere you haven't even fathomed exists right now. That's the excitement and the beauty of life, okay? But if you're stuck thinking that it could have been different, then you are giving your power to your past and you end up living in this kind of repetitive state in your life, thinking, I never maximized my potential. I never did what I could have done. I'm 60 now, so it's too late. Oh, so who cares if I've got, if I live till 90? I'm 60 now, so I might as well fuck off every single day and just think, oh, if only I had done that career. Not good enough. You still have 30 years or more in your life. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit and sulk and repeat and just be passive with your life for the next 30 years? Or are you going to do something about it? That's up to you. That is your choice, okay? And every day that you delay it, every day that you're passive is a day later than you get to experience this new life. And what I mean by passive is sitting there thinking something could have been different, sitting there feeling resentful or jealous of those around you, not feeling excited every time you wake up, but instead waking up, 
grabbing your phone, checking your social media for ages until you absolutely have to get up, then feeling sluggish, then missing your ex, then going to that job that you don't really love, then getting home and repeating. All of that can change. You just need to draw a line in the sand. You need to say the word. You need to say, my focus is on the now and the future, not in the past. And you need to actively keep drawing awareness to it every time. It's like a muscle. You've got to train it. Of course, it could have been different. Of course, shit could have been different. Just like tomorrow can be different if you make it different, if you change your day up, if you get up early, if you don't check your phone for the first two hours, if you do something different in order for a different result, you have to do a different action, okay? And it's all well and good to look at the past and think of all the possibilities that could have happened. But why don't you use that energy and that skill of your imagination to instead of thinking this could have been this, it could have been that, shift it 180 degrees and think what could be tomorrow? What could be next week? What could I do if I put all my energy into that, into me of today and the me of the future? Stop waiting for an apology. Never wait for an apology. Never wait for someone to realize that they made a mistake and they'll come back to you. Never wait for somebody to get their shit together after breaking a promise to you several times. Never wait for someone to change what you know is just a part of them for you so you can be happy. Don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. You're wasting your time and you're throwing away what is in your control and what is your life and giving it to this external source that then you have no power over. Right now, right now, before we get to the end of the episode, I want you to ask yourself, What am I waiting for to change in my life for me to be happy? Or what am I waiting for to change for me to feel satisfied or at peace? How much of that, how much of these answers is someone else's behavior or based around someone else's actions that I'm waiting on or expecting? Because if you're sitting there saying, I'm just waiting for my ex to come back, you know, and just realize that they're an idiot and obviously we should be together and then I'll be happy. Then you've got a big problem. Okay, what are you waiting for to be happy? And how much of that is pending on someone else's decisions or actions or behaviors? Then ask yourself, what or who am I mourning about my past? What time frame, what experience or what relationship am I mourning? And why am I finding it so hard to move on? Is it because I had excitement back then and now I don't? Is it because I had passion back then and now I don't? Just because you had excitement in something doesn't mean you can't have it now. You've just got to find new experiences to do that. Just because your year abroad was the funnest thing in the world, okay, you might not be living abroad now, but there's a lot of excitement you can bring into it, okay? So ask yourself, what or who am I mourning and why am I finding it so hard to move on? It's harder to move on when there's a void than it is if you've now gone and changed it for a a new experience, a new passion, a new way of living or routine or home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if you're filling your life up with all these exciting things all the time, or it doesn't even have to be exciting if you don't like exciting, but all these new and fresh things in your life, then you're less likely to be stagnant mourning something in the past, okay? Mourning a part of your life that's no longer. And lastly, ask yourself, does my future have the potential to be as good or even better than my past? Is it possible? Can I have a better relationship? Can I have a better job or career? Can I have a happier lifestyle, a a happier day-to-day? Can I have a healthier mind? Can I have a healthier body? If the answer is yes to one of those things or all of those things, then the answer is yes to the possibility of your future being better 
than what you're thinking about in the past. Okay? So, like I said, stop giving your past your power. Stop giving people in your old life power. Only you can take that power back and only you can use it for your future. It's your responsibility to do that for yourself, okay? So shift your attention. Every time you think of the past, I want you to think of something that's good about your present and something that's good about your future or something that you could do that's good about your future every time. And you're going, and because you're replacing one thought with two, you're going to start slowly overriding your need to look back into the past and your need to like reach towards that safe past. And you're going to start to slowly train your thoughts to be more focused on the now and the future. And the reason I want it to be the now and the future is because you should never live completely in the future either. You should always have the now as your primary thing that you're focusing on, but the future, because that's going to be you tomorrow. You know, you do want to have some level of attention and energy and excitement to your future self because that way you're making life for your tomorrow's present self better, okay? So those are the main focuses. And then the past is something good for lessons learned, for beautiful memories, to reminisce on something that really made you laugh. That's what the past serves us for, to learn things, okay? But it shouldn't be to make you feel shit about yourself and shit about your life on a day-to-day basis. That serves you in no way, shape or form, okay? So remember, stop giving your past power. Stop giving people in your old life power. Guys, that is all for the episode of today. Um, We're just going to go straight into a listener question. Here we go. Question. Hi, Alexis. I was wondering what you thought about still having photos of your ex on social media. I recently had my ex's new girlfriend messaging me, telling me to take them down and that it's super weird and fucked that I still have them on my Instagram. We broke up over a year ago and I kept the photos purely because they were nice photos of me which were taken on an occasion, like my last day of school. I'm well and truly over the relationship, but she keeps bothering me in business that I don't want to be involved in. Her friends keep requesting my accounts to stalk my profile and I've told her I'm not taking them down and that I don't want to hear about it anymore. Am I in the wrong for keeping the photos up? What do you think? Okay, firstly, I personally do not think that you are in the wrong for keeping the photos up. What people need to understand is that your past is yours. Everyone owns their past and they are entitled to their past. And in your past comes memories, comes, you know, events that include your ex in them. And especially if you didn't have a bad relationship with your ex, you know, it makes sense that you might keep them in certain photos for different reasons. I think that the idea of keeping your ex, you know, in the back catalogue of your social media, I don't really see it as a, as a problem. I personally have deleted all photos of my exes um, on my social media, but also it's because I feel that my social media is two things. One, I, did, I actually had very unpleasant breakups, so I absolutely did not need them photos of them when I already had enough memories of them in my mind. I was like, absolutely do not need that. And two... I also have a bit of a public page and I didn't want people, you know, trawling through my feed knowing what my exes looked like when I referred to them on my on my podcast. So that's why I deleted all photos and all, all like photographic evidence of my exes on my social media. However, I actually think it's perfectly fine if you have photos of your ex on your social media. It is in your past. Another thing that you need to consider is that you don't owe this woman anything You can respond and I'm going to give you a response to give her if you want to, but you have to remind yourself that you don't have to give her shit. She is 
not relevant to your life whatsoever. We're talking about an ex here and we're talking about your private social media. You are entitled to put up a fucking photo of an event that happened. It happened. She has to get with the times and realize that this event has occurred and it is a photo that exists in reality. He wasn't wronging her by being with you a year ago. He was with you a year ago. And if she doesn't understand that, that's on her. It's not on you to explain it to her. So, Number one, understand that you don't ever have to respond to her. You don't ever have to – nothing. You could ignore her for, for, you know, block and delete. It's one thing to see your ex on another girl's profile from a long time ago and be like, oh, I don't really like the image of that, but, you know, it is what it is. I don't – you know, that's one thing versus – going that one step further to actually message that person saying, you know, it's fucked up that you've got like that, that is, you know, that's revealing some deep seated problems that are occurring in her mind that has nothing to do with you. I can just tell you that because what happens outside of that and what photos and what evidence of of her now boyfriend's past is out there should not affect her. So I believe that there may or may not, but may be some retroactive jealousy going on there. I've got a whole episode on retroactive jealousy if you want to look it up, but that's probably what's happening. That's just my presumption. Now, if you want to respond to her, you could just respond something so simply as, please don't ever message me again. I'm completely in my right to have photos of my past and my life on my social media. The fact that it includes your now boyfriend is irrelevant. This is my social media and it is my photos. You need to stop messaging me and you need to find something else to entertain yourself with. Enjoy your life. That would be what I would say, okay? Actually, I'd probably fucking block and delete, but if she's being a pest, then I would probably say something along those lines. She is not, she has no say in what you have on your social media or not. This, you have to take them down, you this, you that. Don't even acknowledge those statements. Just turn around and say, you need to leave me alone. You're crossing a line, okay? Bomb fucking voyage. Uh, hopefully that was helpful. I personally don't think it's, it's bad to keep photos of your ex on your social media. And I also don't think it's weird to delete photos of your ex on your social media. It is your social media. You do whatever the fuck you want with it. It is a curated feed of images that you have chosen to put up there. I've actually been asked, oh, well, how come, like, it must say something. You must have a problem if you've deleted all your exes. Yeah, I've got a fucking problem with my exes. They were cooked in the head and I don't want to see photos of them. And even if I liked them, I would be completely in my right to delete them. It's your fucking social media. Do what you want with it. No one has the right to question you. These photos were taken with with people that were in your life at the time, okay? You can show them. You don't have to show them. You can delete your whole social media. You can post a photo every single day. It's up to you. If they don't like it, don't look, okay? So that is all for today's episode. Thank you guys for listening. As always, remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Don't care.